let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. So, some of the things that we kind of talked about a little bit. Um, looks like they may be pushing for a huge abandonment of D&D <clears throat> based on what they're going to do with this license changes. Um, but one of the big things is that the new update is irrevoking OGL1. What do you mean by you can no go, longer the getting rid of D&D? Do you just mean if like getting rid of D&D that's not one D&D? Uh no, it's going to likely push other people out of the market, so it's only held by Wizards of the Coast. Therefore, really limiting the ability to have third-party content and third-party publishers, uh, even through virtual tabletops and whatnot. Therefore, they're going to uh, eliminate or ostracize their fan base, and they're all going to go somewhere else. Uh, I think it depends think, on their... I Like, th these leaks are going to be rough for them but i think i think honestly if they if they ha if they nail their one D, D like when it comes out and like if they treat it like an actual like alpha where like i think if they do it right they won't lose their fan base because i think they'll kind of like shepherd their fan base into one D. &D. so i mean yeah. i think if they do it right i don't think they will but i think if it goes wrong maybe but if they do it right. too big to fail I, you know, I, I, I've been thinking very similar things, but taking a look at kind of what they want to do with some of their changes. I mean, at least if the leak is um, real, that's still the biggest caveat. But I mean, they want to be able to use publishers content if they utilize it. They'll be able to have the ability to repackage it and profit off of it and give you none of the none of the royalties for it. And they can just shut you down and change what they want to do with their license at any given time with 30 days notice. One of the concerns uh, what was that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like this was like not so much of a leak and more of intentional. Seems like a good way to get a fan reaction. But that, that is something that somebody like, responded to on this Reddit post as well. I mean, it seems like something like this will get the fans in a just like a, a royal tizzy and they'll walk back as decent people and say, no, no, you're right. Fans push back too hard. We can't do that to make them look like good people. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> unless you see some like actual uh, actual real proof on like a leak, mm -hmm. you can't point it back to them. Whatever. Right. I, mean, right. I hope if it. I think it'll lead to meaningful change. So cool. I'm, ex yeah. I'm excited if the market goes to other places. Same. Sam, I'm really excited. I'm thinking about other other systems. Any anyhow. Welcome back to Side Quests. <laughs> uh Paladins Podcast. Um kind of just caught us mid-conversation about this OGL thing. I know it's uh it's kind of a weird spot because Epic Table Games wants to be in the realm of 
tabletop games, but we don't really want to push a whole lot of um, OGL style content. We'd like to really do our own, um, which Eli, I think that's kind of where you're sitting too. the idea of just stepping away from a primary system and building a larger fan base for other systems. Um, yeah, I advocate playing for other games. What are are we advocating for a specific type of? Are we? I, I don't. I mean, I think no. the open gaming license is great, but I I love uh, the open gaming license. I'm just saying, like, I, I think everybody reaches a point where they get tired of either, um, the fantasy games that most of Dungeons and Dragons is built around after a point in time, or they get tired of uh the system itself. People tend to branch out at some point. Yeah, I've, as someone who has not played a lot of the OGL or like D and D recently, it's it's a little difficult to find stuff. Uh, I try to watch Kickstarter for big stuff and observe, mm -hmm. but so much of it is intended to be like five E compatible or open gaming license. It's, it's a little tough. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been finding like so. I'm building Animar. And what I've been trying to do is get like NPCs down, right? Uh, I I tend to overdevelop my NPCs, and I've been trying to give them character sheets quite a bit. But I got a OGL compatible uh, neutral system book about NPCs. I'm like, you know, let's take a look and see what this book includes. And it is literally just quick bio on these people. Like, that's all it is. Like, this is the kind of person they are. This is a little bit of their history. This is the kind of shit they do. Uh, feel free to drop them in your game wherever. I'm like, damn, I, I could write books on NPCs. Like, I, I do think there is a world in which if the OGL goes away, that it might produce, like, at this point, when, like, maybe not if it went away, like, so many years ago. I think it's been great at bringing a lot of players um, and a lot of people into the industry yeah um but i wonder if the ogl goes away if we'll see more innovation in both like ideas and game systems i i think it's absolutely possible i mean i've got an entire shelf of games that don't fall under the uh wizards of the coast ogl um and it's it's incredible. They all use different style of um, conflict resolution. Some of them are story-based. Some of them are not D20-based. Some of them are um, more thought-provoking than just, I want to roll a skill check or some things. And I like it. We've talked many times about how we think that the idea of enhancing your games means finding other things, stealing shit from other games, essentially. That's the way we're going to put it. Do you read any like magazines or gaming production? Uh, it, it depends on if an article itself catches my attention. Did you used to read Dragon Magazine? Dude, yeah. So I pirated like every one of them and I scoured through <laughs> every article from issue one all the way through, what was it, 492 before they went quarterly and then finally yearly for two years. Yeah, um, it's definitely an archive. Um but I do like using uh, Dragon Magazine. Um, mm -hmm. I love reading it. I that's I got it on Anarchive. Um, yep. And I I actually at one point I had a huge collection of I think I had like one through three hundred. Um, like physical copies. Yeah, physical copies. 
That's not us. I was missing. Well, I didn't have one, but I, I was close in the in the tens, and mm-hmm. I had I had a huge number. I, it was awesome. I loved them. That's um, cool. I uh, I thought about starting my own like magazine style publication, um, just to kind of help give more ideas and slow filtered news, but maybe in the future pipeline because that is a lot of fucking work to do that kind of shit nonstop. Yeah, there's some pretty. I I follow Knights of the Dinner Table. Uh, okay. which is also a comic um mm-hmm. it, it, it's also i think it's great it's got some D or some like gaming ideas uh it does some reviews and i think it's also funny it's got some gems of traps now uh traps are you know I, i'm a sucker for a good trap <laughs> um does it follow grimtooth style traps and for those who aren't so familiar with grimtooth grimtooth only had deadly traps way back from ad and d they were meant to kill dismember um absolutely completely annihilate characters uh with minimal possibility for success of uh getting out unharmed yeah that's kind of what these traps are they're pretty (laughs) uh but some of them are usable and some of them are just absolutely ridiculous oh yeah but i think that's the best ones uh i think traps are the things that i like to read the most about in mm-hmm. random, like in publications uh, some of them are just so i would just have never thought to u- use them and then usually they have solutions or like ideas they'd suggest for trying to get past it mm-hmm. some of them i'm like never would have thought of that even as a gm right one of my favorite traps that i, I remember reading about was it was uh, very similar to the pit trap only instead of stepping on the trigger uh, like before or midway through, it was a long corridor hallway and the leader of the party would step on the trigger and the hallway behind them for the rest of their party would fall. And uh, I like that one. Grimtooth trap was, you know, it's, it's, it's acid with a punji pit and absolutely zero way to climb out. <laughs> so, what do you think about putting secret doors at the bottom of pit traps? Uh, so, my, I, I got such a weird position on this because I think that in certain cases, traps should be deadly. But I think if you don't give a player a way out, um, they're just going to be pissed off that they have to slowly die in the bottom of this trap. A trap door allows for a way out and it's feasible. And because I still love Grim True, Grim, excuse me, Grimtooth. Um, his solution was to put another trap on the other side of the door, very similar to whatever got them into where they are now. So, oh, well, I'm I'm more not necessarily in the situation where like you've got acid at the bottom of a pit, right? But uh, I can't remember. I think it was in one of the original Tomb Adventures where like you're going down a hallway. There's a pit trap, then there's another pit trap, mm-hmm. and then the the hallway just ends like ten feet later. And the only way to go forward is like the bottom of the second pit trap. Oh, so and there's a that, secret door. Like that is the way. Um, yeah, that is the way to get to the next area. I, I have done something similar, and my party wasn't pleased with it. So it's not something I do often. Um, I thought it was hilarious, by the way. Like it, it's it's freaking funny. But what I find funny is not always what the party finds funny. So I, I keep them more in mind than than my own jollies i i I always want to use something like that but it 
it always it feels like it would be so much it's better done in like a uh like an adventure that's or a campaign ran to go through that adventure as opposed mm. to trying to blend that campaign into or that adventure into a campaign but or absolutely. that that style um, absolutely um that's like have you seen some of those i i guess they're just considered like D D shenanigans where it's kind of the thing where a player will bet one of the party members that they can do something outrageous like go stand on top of a barkeep's bar and just piss over everybody and the barkeep will have no problem with it because they secretly roll a persuasion check by any means for the bartender to be okay with it because he's getting paid and it's just a double deal is all it really is have you seen any what? of those no <laughs> what do you never so okay so i i gave the quick gist but the idea of the double deal is you bet somebody x amount of dollars or gold pieces or whatever that you're going to be able to do something you shouldn't be able to get away with doing and then in order to get permission to do this you essentially bribe the uh the npc <laughs> to letting you do so is this they're, something that people do in real life? Yeah. Yeah. So they're horrible <laughs> shenanigans and they're ridiculous. Okay. Um, I've had some of my players try to play them and it throws you for a loop for the first time around. You're like, what the hell? Oh my God. So we're playing this kind of game. Yeah, I've never had someone try to do that. No. <laughs> no. Um, I, I used to be a big shenanigans player myself. Um, for example, I loved having... Uh, whatever tower was um, infant, um, automatically expanding tower or whatever. Um, instant fortress, I think it is. Ah, yep. uh, starts off as a small cube. You can throw it, and when it hits the ground, it's boom, a huge-ass defensive tower door facing you. Um, my DM hated it, so he stopped letting me buy the magic item because it was freaking sweet. One day... <laughs> We were fighting a huge kaiju. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So I ran in, willingly got swallowed whole, and threw the goddamn instant fortress <laughs> while I was inside. Like, this is gonna work. <laughs> uh, no, my DM was not happy with that. Actually, he did not think it was funny. He thought it was a pain in the ass, and he didn't find it realistic because um, stomachs are just non-cavernous muscle sponges that constantly berate you with. Um, Stomach bile and acid and slowly squeeze you to death. Like now that's not how stomachs work. I've seen uh I've seen Pinocchio. <laughs> and so then then all of a sudden we're debating the logistics of uh now that I've thrown this thing, which way would be oriented as down. And I'm like, well, honestly, because it's like a cavern, as long as I'm standing, whatever I'm standing on would be considered ground. So that would be down. Um and then it was the logistics of, well, the door is always facing me. So that's, he didn't like that either. And then he did not like, if I ran into the tower, I was safe from the outside effects of the stomach because I was in an enclosed space. All in all, he was not pleased with that shenanigan. <laughs> yeah, Bender, I, I'm sorry. I, I was fucking hilarious, Bender, but I get it now. I get it. <laughs> I think shenanigans can be fun, but they... Like have a time and a place, and yeah, I yeah, I maybe it says something about my GMing style that I haven't had any like quite so much shenanigans, but I 
sometimes I think it's the player. I mean, you seem like the kind of guy who would really allow some shenanigans. Yeah, I, I will. If a player wants to, do, I will let them. I'll let them do it. Uh, in fact, you mentioned something briefly in a text exchange we had about your yellow mold tea. Like that was the route that they went, right? Oh yeah. Um, so the the player that had the the yellow mold decided to brew a tea for the other players, and. They so I I, I was kind of I decided that I would have them make a check on how they're preparing it just to mm -hmm. see if uh, like but they didn't have cooking uh, and they didn't have botany and they didn't really have any relevant like any skills that seemed very relevant so I just went along as if it was still poisonous. Um, <laughs> nice. And because the, the other players had been, because uh, this person was also covered in spores and the spores slowly start to eat into your skin and mm -hmm. give you like pus and do, just, they start doing damage to you. Right. And the players for the past two days, every morning, uh, they're like, Gibson, you're taking damage. Like wash those wounds. Like everyone else was fine. Like, and right. Gibson was just like, I'll do it my way. No. Um, so for, for Gibson, this was Gibson's last hurrah at being like, I knew the mold wasn't dangerous. Mm. Let's make a tea out of it. Um, so oh. they made a tea and they gave it to the other people and Gibson drank it. And the other people were a little bit suspicious about it. And started asking about the tea and they saw the yellow mold. They made, you know, they made some checks to identify it. And then we're like, gives it don't, why are you drinking it? Stop chugging it. Like <laughs> they stopped drinking it. Um, one of the players drank it before the, uh, before the warning and then Gibson drank it. And I had them roll poison saves they were they both made it uh, so uh it ended up kind of just being a non-factor i got a i got a question now what i'm what i am going to do though uh is cuz i rolled the saves in secret on my side okay for uh their their poison checks mm -hmm. because they didn't know if it was poisonous i just asked them to roll it um is I'm going to message those two players over the next, because uh, we do it on Discord. So I'll message them throughout the sessions, just like I'll maybe let them know that they've got like minor stomach irritations or or just something. Because usually if I send them a message like that, then I mean it might make them a little bit more suspicious. But right. usually it'll end up they'll they'll try bringing it up or they'll start kind of role playing those little whispers, and so it it can kind of develop into its own thing. Because if the players are willing to keep having these discussions and bring up yellow mold and uh this seems like an interaction that i should try to pursue or at least encourage more so i i dig that and it, it makes me all the more curious about my my question but i think does uh you said his name was uh gibson yeah gibson um you had mentioned gibson was like semi-sarcastic like i've known this is not poisonous but he's made the check. He doesn't know if he's 
passed or failed yet? No. Yeah. So they, they made a poison save and this Gibson also, uh, the only reason why they think it's not dangerous is because they were leading the party and, uh, Gibson saw the mold and was like, ah, mold. And then the party was like, don't do that. Gibson don't go into it. It's dangerous. Gibson was like, I didn't, wasn't going to go into, well, now I want to. <laughs> I, so. I, love, I, I love that once he's aware that he is sans ill effects, he's like, yeah, no, it's never been, like, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I imagine it's only going to encourage him to drink more. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Tea. Oh, it's man. their character's life. Yeah, it's hilarious. How long has uh, this character been around? Quite a while, right? So this is uh, they have a main. There's a main character, and this is one of their proteges. Okay. And so a while ago, we had went on a big adventure in which their main characters had brought some of their proteges along with them, um, because it uh, you know fit the the theme of it. Um, and so the party is is just now kind of returning to one of the spots where they can stop and train and um, do some level up. Uh, so they've, they've just had their protégés with them. And this protege, like some of the protégés have like weird quirks and flaws that make them uh, not very, not great, not great characters. Uh, mm -hmm. And so sometimes when like the, the party really likes to role play them out. And so they'll, if they do like the characters, but they've got these really bad flaws, then they'll make sure to role play them. And then like the party will call them out on the flaws or they'll like try to consciously change their behavior. And then they'll buy off their, uh, their, their flaws. So okay. you could have a flaw, like where your character starts out racist and you could basically work off that flaw. I like that. You, like you can't that. do it for something like a missing limb, but for a lot of the, uh, the, the, the flaws you can. And, uh, the Hackmaster, right? That's correct. So as, as my limited, uh, foray into Hackmaster, still a magical setting, right? Yeah. A, a low magic setting. So I probably couldn't even get a witch to give me back my arm or something. Could I? Uh, I would I would totally let something like that happen. Um, I, I more just mean like you can't you can't role play having a leg and then suddenly right. have a leg. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I dig that. Uh, you got anything else going on in your campaigns that are kind of interesting? You're in uh, three of them total right now, right? Uh, yeah. I run my Hackmaster game and then I play in a Traveler game. That's it. Okay. Although okay. I've been, I had I had a sci-fi game that I was running, but one of the players went to get their stupid PhDs, and, and so uh, poor group, educated people. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, they went off to go get their PhD, and so we couldn't play anymore. So uh, I like half that group got absorbed into the another half group to form this traveler group. Okay, okay. I've been heavily thinking about playing one of the uh, conan 2d20 game though since we talked about it uh going away from odiphius yep oh wait i'm playing in a hackmaster game i forgot about that uh every other monday 
uh, I play in a Hackmaster game with some other GMs. It's great. I, I remember you mentioning when that game was going to start kicking up. You weren't sure if it was going to successfully launch or not. But oh, that's we rolling have, now. We have launched. We're several sessions in. Good uh, deal. Uh, I even played a session from Chicago as well. And it was nice. awful. The, the <laughs> internet. The session was great, but the internet connection was rough. You know what? It, it happens. Hotel suck, man. Dude, it, it hit us with our everyday heroes. I mean, it was is what it is speaking uh, of um yeah go ahead. but the, the game's been going well uh good we, i think we're having our we meet every other week i think we're having our third session this next monday so. nice nice i got a i got my i don't know how to describe it for the audience so i guess quickly enough i have all my parties choose a team name um partially so i can help determine what party is on what day if i just scheduled by team name and this saturday we have contingency heroes um i like it yeah yeah the did i I tell everybody about the uh i did i got really excited because a huge screw up with um with the rat folk guy who was trying to get on a job and they're like yeah we screwed this up is this how we did it right (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah so they're coming back on saturday good (laughs) good that's exciting yeah and uh, so their group name is the Contingency Plan? The Contingency Heroes. The Contingency Heroes. And what yeah. are the other group's names that you have? Uh, the other group went for Twisted Justice. And the Nuked Friday game, they were going to be the Exalted Exiles. So my my group that met for two years does have a name, and they're the Hackaholics. The Hackaholics. I dig it. Uh, I dig it. But my traveler group does not have a name, and I don't think the hack. Well, we're the Hack Pack, okay? Or because that's the the organization that we like. We're all GMs in the Hack Pack. So there you go. Just the Hack Pack. I dig it. I dig it. I uh, I think I I like the idea of team names after kind of watching the. I guess it's the Critical Role cartoon, uh, Legends of X Machina, Machina, Machina. I. Now, it's on Amazon. Yeah. I think they've got a second season coming out. I think so. I really enjoy the cart too. <laughs> uh, what 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 from that show inspired you to uh, name your groups? Literally just the fact that they had a team name and I didn't have to introduce an entire party of people when calling them out if they were to meet the king or queen. Oh, do your does your party ref- like in person do they also call themselves that? Yes. Yes. Ours uh these are just we these are more names we have for our gaming groups oh like no, the, the... the same because in 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 the game i think they're named tim their group name is tim that's funny so that's the only one i have is the one i run uh when when i played with uh, a few of my buddies we played mutants and masterminds our uh our organization name was taint i don't remember what it stood for <laughs> but it, it was tactical something information something and something but my Twisted Justice group is great because they were talking about how they're this awesome ragtag group of heroes just starting out neighborhood style like Spider-Man. And like we're Twisted Justice and some old lady heard Tainted Juices. And now this conspiracy that they accidentally and inadvertently started was that there are Tainted Juices coming from the local fruit production suppliers. 
and they need to investigate. There's no tainted juices. It's just an old lady who heard shit wrong. And <laughs> an entire MacGuffin based on their dumb name. I dig it. I, uh, the My party once uh, needed to disguise themselves. And so they all changed outfits and they called themselves Tom. Nice. And is Tom stuck? Well, no, they go back to Tim. They even have a party member named Tom. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, they just they disguised themselves as Tom. Love it. And they went back to Tim. Love it. I I remember one time I did a uh, I did a Gestalt game, and the the premise was anybody could choose whatever primary class that they wanted to be, but their Gestalt had to be Bard, and they were a traveling band. That was the worst application of the best theory I can ever recall running. Um, Do you name any of your, like, adventure arcs or encounters? Uh, I actually end up naming something like, um, I guess kind of, I'll, I'll call it a session, for the lack of better words. Um, I name the session just so I kind of have an idea about what's going on. Like... Twisted Justice's first game was called Mid-Mission, because they started Mid-Mission. Um, and then, so I guess, I look at it like chapters. Yeah, they kind of get small chapter names. I always try to name, like, my adventures in my room something awfully punny. Yeah. Uh, I was I was thinking about, I was working on an adventure called Nowhere Better to Be, about fighting gnolls. Nice. Um, nice. I, uh, I'm they're not huge... helpful at all to like find them again, but they're funny when I look at them. I, I, yeah, I've got a, I've got a huge bleeding heart for Dragon Ball Z and their episode titles were always ridiculously long and obnoxious. So for a while I had very similar vein things and it is not, not useful in the absolute slightest. No. What do you think about those like those shows that have episode titles at the very beginning of them? They usually kind of set the tone for what the adventure is. Have you ever thought about like for an episodic game or like going in with the title at the very start of your session? Like you know session one. <clears throat> like you're like in like Star Wars where you can have different acts and Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't considered something like that. However, I recall playing in a game where that would have been just the bee's knees, really. We played in a um, plane-hopping, multidimensional game, and it was episodic, very Saturday morning cartoonish. Um, the reason it fell apart was because we didn't really have like an overall story arc. So it was every episode, same characters, different shit. Um took us all over the place and all of a sudden like parts of it were fun parts of it were boring and as we rotated through dms we're like ah we're losing losing mojo here so that i think that would have really worked out though having a episode session title essentially for that day i i've never thought about doing it but now i give i've been i backed a kickstarter for the cowboy bebop uh, yeah. game and i watched the show for the first time um, and the show did that as well with like an episode name at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I might try to ingrain that in 
like when I'm when I'm actually running that game, uh, or I might try it for a Star Wars game before that game comes out. Uh, but I think I struggle with making like with with going in with a title. I feel like I have to have a title that references what goes over the adventure. And I think I struggle sometimes with creating a session that will like be self-contained if that makes sense yeah it makes it makes absolute sense because realistically if we're going to uh, name a session uh for that game even if it's episodic and like you said it has to be self-contained like you, if you want to name the next one you can't have a whole lot of crossover between the two um i think the easiest way around would be like pick one small trivial thing and kind of name it based off the one small trivial thing you know like uh the snowman's nose was a carrot under the top hat of doom and the important thing is the carrot be like hey you came across a carrot <laughs> you know I, I don't know i like i i don't name tv shows <laughs> so i will try to write an adventure about a carrot now love it love it if uh if you happen to have a successful one, I'll try to pick another side and maybe by Thanksgiving, we'll have an entire uh, Thanksgiving feast of episodes. That would be one way to have a themed, uh, themed adventure. It's all about the food groups. That would be great. Have you, uh, you remember the old KFC and Wendy's uh, tabletop games? I think they were 2016. Um, Yeah. It's not that long ago. Yeah. I, uh, I was always really interested because they sounded absurdly uh, over the top and ridiculous, but I never had anybody who was serious enough to try playing them. Serious like, enough about a whimsical game. <laughs> right. Like, like everybody would laugh at it, but nobody would be like, yeah, let's do this. I feel like I missed out. Yeah, I, I never ran any of those either. Uh, ah. I, I, I also... I, I just thought they were a little bit stupid, but I also don't eat fast food, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, stupid, but I mean, fun nonetheless, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just never played them. Same, same. Are there other games that you wish you would have been able to play but haven't had an opportunity to do so yet? I got a whole bookshelf of them. Dude, my bookshelf is growing. I got... You got any off the top of your head that you can just like, boom, this one or these two? There's like a Star Trek adventure game. Uh, there's I want to play the Dune game. Um, the from, new one? Yeah, the new Dune game. Modifius. I, but I think the big struggle I have is I really want to play in a like. Sometimes I'm not extremely knowledgeable about a setting in which a very setting specific game is set in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I could run it with, like, and give it enough justice. And true, that's since true. you know, as a forever GM, uh, it's you know, it's it's difficult to find GMs out there that uh, are running some of these more niche or random games and yes. can accept more players. Yes, very, very true. Um, for me, I, I'd love to play in a in a game of Scion. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Scion. One. Yeah. You, what is uh, that? So in Scion, it's a series of, if I remember correctly, four books. And each book you start off as, in book one, you are just the descendant of a god. Greek god, Egyptian god, um, etc. And 
as you gain power and move through the books, you begin to slowly take their place. And then by the end, you are supposed to kill and replace. Is it like an adventure path? It's a or that's just game. that's just the way each adventure should go, or is it just that is that is how the uh, the design of the game is as a, you read through the rule books as you gain more power. So it's like if I remember correctly, it's like levels one through ten in this book, levels ten through twenty in this book. Oh, I I really like that uh, that layout. It is. It is intense. I, I really like it. Um, but again, it's, it's a niche game. It's one that uh, not a whole lot of people have, have heard about. And the idea just sort of sits there, chills. And I, I pout when I when I see it. I'm sure there's probably someone playing at a Gen Con. You know, every time I look at the schedule and list for things like that, that's the one that I forget about the most. There's so much shit going on. And I get excited about everything else. I'm telling you, that's the real time. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll, you could go there. You'd play a game. Three of them would have different, uh, uh, scion adventure groups that they would all give you like links and messages to your, then by this time next year, you're on all the message boards and playing all your games in uh, scion. I should check it out. Um, one of my things when I go to when I go to Gen Con, especially when I went last year, because I I was looking for something specific as as media. You know, I was there to cover news, do reviews and whatnot. So I didn't take any time to play much of anything in a guided situation like that. Um, I did a few of the library games where I was able to just sort of check them out, learn how to play, bust them out. Um, one of my favorite things though is the Library of Alexandria. And I wish more people knew that it was there, that it's any, every major con, the Library of Alexandria is generally available. And you can check out a physical copy of a book and it's due back before the con shuts down. But RPG books, they're just donated. Old books, new books, massive amounts of copies of books and their entire library worth of books is so big they generally don't bring it to every convention that they go to especially when some of them are running on multiple conventions uh nationwide um on the same weekends oh, or so i don't think i ever knew about that that's awesome dude if you get a chance just to even walk through next time you're at like gen con or uh, i think they're at gary con as well um i think they're at dragon con too but i don't remember when that one is i think it was in utah but dragon con is that, Isn't, I think that's. I think Dragon Con's Atlanta. It might be. I don't remember. I know there's one in Utah that I want to go to, and it's dragon. It's it's medieval themed, not tabletop game themed. So, I don't remember. Um, honestly, we're I, I think that's. I think that's insane that Gen Con's that big. But, I mean, yes. But, oh yeah, we uh, we getting there. Yeah, we we've got a few minutes left already, and we're four days in to. Dungeon 23. Hi. How are you doing? I am up to the three days. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> One day I did, uh, you know, I had a lot of Battletech games playing that day and I worked late and uh, 
I did two the next day. So I don't have an amazing That's... track record of being every day, but I have three posts, three days. Yeah. Well, not today yet. That's all right. I got I got mine scribbled on a sheet of paper right now. I'm kind of going like room to room. And what I've determined is that um, the massive size I can handle. And I think I'm going to take today to figure out a trap, like an entire trap building. You were also the, uh, the Tomb of Annihilation at all? Yeah. Do you remember the uh, the Sphere of Annihilation trap? Yeah, the one that was inside uh, the mouth. Of, yeah. It was like one of the demon mouths in the first uh, the first hallway. Yep, where you're like, oh, yeah, let's just let's jump in. I'm thinking something similar that will just sort of phase up and down this huge uh, shaft inside my, my prison. What but, era is this prison? Like, is this for a fantasy game? Is this for a modern game? Is this for a sci-fi game? Uh, it's for a fantasy game. So built in NMR, the idea is it's all the way up from industrialized steampunk all the way back to feudal Japan, medieval, uh, Renaissance period, Victorian steampunk, um, depending on where you are geographically located. So the prison is called Silver Chain Prison, and in my mind, it's very prisoner of Azkaban-esque. So very Azkaban-esque prison. What if there was a gelatinous cube that they used to clean the halls? I like that. That's funny. That's cool. Because that would make a good trap if the, if the janitor is just this roving death mm -hmm. machine. <laughs> if there's nothing in it, it's practically invisible, right? Yeah. Did I tell you about my uh, my Jello cube, gelatinous cube trap? No, no, you have not. So, I I had a trap where, in a series of three three rooms spread throughout the dungeon, there were multiple uh, gelatinous cube lookalikes, essentially, and one of them was just a Jello cube, and they were like, "Ah, shit, it's a gelatinous cube." But there's this really awesome looking item inside of it. So I'm going to go ahead and just say, fuck it. I'm going to try to grab it. And they reach in. Nothing happens. And they're like, I'm like it smells like a hint of uh, lemon lime. And they're like, what? I'm like, yep. One of them's like, I'm just going to lick it. I'm like, it tastes like jello. And it's jello. I'm like, okay. So not a gelatin scheme. No. Next time they come up to one, I'm like, very similar setup, only this time there is a gelatinous cube inside the cube of jello just contained I'm like okay no issue owies lick it tastes like jello let's try to eat it it did not work out very well but they survived that gelatinous cube so there was a gelatinous cube inside the jelly yeah inside the jello cube a little core filling yep how many licks to get to the gelatinous cube oh it took them not a lot uh, and then the last one, like I was like, all right, so we're transitioning no gelatinous cube, gelatinous cube to full gelatinous cube. And this time it was trapped in a, a glass bubble. And there was a lot of treasure that sits at the bottom because it weighs something and the gelatinous cube can't go anywhere. And you're like, all right, screw it. It looks like water. So they break the bubble and down pours this huge gelatinous cube on top of all of them in which they are instantly screwed and... I think three or four of them out of five made it out alive. They were rich, but not happy. I was like, guys, I gave you hints. Like the gelatinous cubes became more realized every time. I had a party. I mean, the 
sometimes the party just doesn't take a hint right <laughs> I, I had a trap where you're in a you're in a room and there's two levers next to each other and if you point the levers both up the ceiling opens if you point them both to the left the left opens if you point to the right the right opens and so one party member went i wonder what happens when we put them both down and, and it opened. that's how they all fell through the floor was there a, a secret tunnel at the bottom yeah there's a secret tunnel in each direction and after opening the first three directions they went down so, nice nice sometimes you just gotta do it i guess sometimes one of my one of my favorites that i've done is i love putting a trigger trap uh in like the first room of a uh an area that casts a uh, do you say do you call it geese or do you call it geas um the questing spell i just normally try not to think about it um i think but <laughs> i i think i call it a guys okay okay which so yeah as a tomato tomato we're gonna do this one here that questing spell will generally get cast upon them and uh it'll be one of those kind of where if they fail they feel the intense need to go back to a previous room and pick up something stupid that they have to carry with them throughout the entire duration of uh wherever they are and I usually make it really ridiculous. Like you have to carry a, an obnoxiously ornate plate with you and you can't let it break. Like You need that plate to get to the end. And if they don't do it, they suffer penalties. And you have to really think like some people are like, no, I'm not going to I would refuse to do that. I'm never going to go back for that. I'm like, all right, you're going to suffer penalties because you refuse to go get and get a plate, which is just trivial at this point. While other people are like, yeah, let's go get the plate. I can't deal with these penalties. Now they're role-playing with a plate the entire game or two. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite just Wait, little Wait, do you things. mean the person physically in your room had to go grab a plate from the last room they were in? Oh, okay. Oh, you meant... No. Ah. No. How much bullshit would that be, though? Could you imagine that? Like, hey, guys, I showed up to the game. And like, yeah, but you failed that will say, bro. You need to go back and grab like a plate, dude. <laughs> go back to the last room in the house you were in. Grab something. You have yep. to, your character is holding that now. Yep. Oh. Damn. Damn. I think I'm... that's a that's a great that's a great like quirk or punishment for that spell. Yeah. Get some theme. Yeah. Like it. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like we're going to start off with uh, a minor inconvenience. And it's just going to get worse from there. So, all right. Eli, anything that you want to add now that we're into the new year before we sign off on our first episode of 2023? Don't roll a one. Just don't do it. Good advice. Yeah. Just be better than that. All right, guys. Check us out at epictablegames.com. See us next week at SideQuests. Go team. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay. Okay.